Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to this week's Man on the Post Weekend Review. My name is Dave and I only have one guest this week and his name is Simon O'Regan. How are you Dave? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, another good weekend, business as usual. Uh, well, uh, well, let me ask you this Simon, what's your favourite winter drink on a cold night? Ooh. Mm, that's a good. Uh, I do quite. I'm quite partial to a spice rum and coke. I must say. Ah, lovely. Well, mine is hot chocolate because everyone's a winner, baby. That's the truth. <laughs> Not my words. The words of Errol Brown. Rest his soul. <laughs> Never have too much Errol. I've always said that. Um, <laughs> Friday night, um, saw Nottingham Forest and Tottenham kick off the Premier League weekend. Um, Tottenham ran out 2-0 winners. Uh, it was a bit of a, I don't want to say damp squib, but uh, Tottenham got on top early on and Forrest couldn't, couldn't really get close to them. Um, how do you say this one? Well, it's the uh, it's the return of the coaching genius and of Ansborough, isn't it? You know, Tottenham going and beat a, a poor Nottingham Forest team in, in dreadful form. So, that, that means that Tottenham are back, baby, and they're, they're going to finish in the top four, aren't they? I well, mean, they might. <laughs> um, they, I mean, I don't think they will, because they, uh, they, they can't seem to, to keep their best players from getting suspended, can they? Uh, well, no, I mean, Basuma is the latest idiot to uh, get himself three games off. Um, it's a good time of year to get sent off, though, it has to be said. Like, if you fancy Christmas with the family and not... <laughs> wherever Tottenham Hotspur are spending next weekend, Boxing Day, and uh, the game after, then fair play to... Uh... Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a few funny red cards this weekend, and a few people who tried their best to get reds, and well, unfortunately you, you, didn't get it. I'll tell you for free, um, so far, look, West Ham has definitely got somewhere, <laughs> he, somewhere he needs to be over, over the Christmas period. He, he <laughs> clearly has an invitation to an outrageous like full moon party in Thailand over Christmas oh, New Year. He's absolutely going somewhere. <laughs> I can't wait to find out what he does next weekend to get that fifth year. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, maybe Jamal the Souls might have got the same invitation. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll come on to well, that later. Well, well Jimenez definitely did. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what the Mexican is for uh, for Christmas at home, but he's got himself sewn up. Um, yeah, in this game... Um, yeah. Kulosevsky, head and shoulders, the best player on the pitch for me. Uh, it kind of goes out the same when you've got a goal and assist. Um, was Matt Turner born without hands? Because I don't <laughs> understand how that second goal got in. It wasn't great, was it? <laughs> like, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kulosevsky, he's, he's, a, he's a wonderful player. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, really rate him. And I think... Like t- talking, sort of joking about Tottenham trying to get top four. I think if they don't get a top four spot this season, I think he's a player they they may struggle to keep hold of. If I'm brutally honest, I, I mean, I I think he's a. You can see him being a replacement for Mares at Man City, couldn't you? I actually think he plays a little like Bernardo Silva in recent weeks. The way he's kind of played a bit more centrally and. Uh... Really taking a hold of some games, um, but that versatility will have Pep's eyes lighting up, I imagine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not to sell all Tottenham's best players, but uh, I do think he is destined for bigger and better things than Ange Ball. So, sorry, Tottenham fans. But, um, what did you make of uh, Gary Neville's claim that when Pep Guardiola leaves Man City, they'll be looking at Ange Postacoglu? I mean, you know, it's just what we do, mate, isn't it? It is it's ridiculous. Like I, 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 I don't actually 
have a problem with with Ange himself. I, you know, I do think he's like he's only got something about him, and I, I think he he's. I think he. I think he comes across quite well in, in, in interviews. I do like listening to him. But the, I mean, they. You can tell he's he's the new media darling, and it's it's because of the club he's at. There's there is some weird fascination to see Tottenham as like a, one of the big clubs. I, and I've never really got it. Okay, they've had in the last ten, fifteen years, they've had you know a few few little uh, dalliances in the Champions League and fair play made it to a final one year. But Tottenham, like, there's a reason that there's the description Spursy in, you know, general football parlance. They, they, they always flatter to deceive and never actually really achieve anything. And, like, when, when they were one of those clubs uh, as part of that six that wanted to try and break away and form the Super League, like, I, I did kind of think, you know, uh, you know, when David Brent's talking about <laughs> Flatwoods and says, what are you doing here? <laughs> that is exactly what I thought, I thought the other clubs must have, you know, Man U, Liverpool, must have looked at Daniel Levy and said, what are you doing here? And not in a racist way. Like, I just, I, I'm ne- I've never understood it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's this fascination with them and I, I, I don't see it. I'd, I'd say they'd be more knocking on uh, Brighton's door for Deserve before Apostacog being myself. But you know, maybe if if they go and achieve something this year, um, you know, win win an FA Cup and finish in the top four, fair enough. Maybe you can talk about stuff like that, but it's ridiculous to be saying things like that. Well, they're both equally kamikaze under Apostacog yeah. and uh, and Deserve. Um, I kind of find it mad that like I mean, neither of them have really won anything. Um, yeah, at the top level. I mean, obviously, Ange just cleaned up in in Scotland and um, various other parts of the world, but not really in a, should we say, a fashionable league, if you want to call it that. But um, I guess I, I get what he's saying. Like his style is fun to watch. Um, mm. And Man City are anything but fun, so you can kind of see <laughs> why they don't want to go for that. Um, but. I'd be very surprised unless he does incredible things at Tottenham over the next few months and years if uh, if he's the next man in Man City. But um, that is the perfect segue to move on to uh, to Saturday's games. Um, we'll do Man City first because um, they were held to a 2-2 draw by Crystal Palace, um, which uh, didn't really look that likely for uh, most of the match. But somehow... <laughs> Um, Mateta turned into um, a handful, and uh, yeah, and then the slot with a pen. Um, what do you make of this? Obviously, Haaland wasn't available. Don't know when he will be available. I'm sort of every passing game that goes by. I'm wondering how how much more serious this injury is and has been let on. Um, but here they were in total control um, and did the usual, you know, let's snooze the game, and then somehow. Roy Hodgson of all people stayed stayed awake long enough to turn it round. Yeah, it's I, it's it's obviously they're in a bad run of form. Well, it's a, a bad run of results um, because obviously the, they had the three draws before we beat them. But in those three draws, I think they can make legitimate argument that they probably should have won all three games. Like they. They, bit of stupidity and complacency maybe, sort of let, let the teams back into them. And they kind of struggled a bit against Luton. And then the, the game of the weekend was was the, the one out of all six of these last uh, games that they've had, which I'd say would probably be most alarming because there's no way you should be 2-0 up against Man City, with, against uh, Crystal Palace with 15 minutes to go if you're Man City and not win that game. Um, very strange. They've There's a real, real vulnerability at the back with them this season. Um, and uh, like I, th- I think Hodgson said in his, his interview after the game something like, you can't, you can't go at them too early because they'll cut you open. And I, no, years gone by, I'd, I'd agree with that. But I, I actually think 
he, he, I wonder if he'll come away from that game thinking, you know, I wish we'd gone at them a bit earlier because we might have got all three points. <laughs> like, they, 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 I think they're massively missing Gundogan um, mm. from yeah. that team. I, I think, I think that's a really big loss. And sort of mentioned Mares earlier. I think he's a huge loss as well. I know they've got some, you know quite a lot of supremely talented forward players. I always thought Mahrez was an extremely underrated player, actually. I think he's a lot better than a lot of people ever gave him credit for. And I mean, his output was incredible, really. Um, and in yeah. th- this sort of game, like he would, you know, that's, oh, these are the ones where we, we filled his boots. Not necessarily this fixture, but this sort of game. Yeah. And I just think the, the, their team as well, that they've not actually got the biggest of squads. What they've got is about probably what 16 17 like outrageously gifted players but you lose two or three of them to injury then yeah they've, they've still got you know first ever they could put out that's that's brilliant but their bench options aren't great like I, when when we played them the other week i looked at the two benches and i kind of thought like ours was so much better than theirs they, they, they've not got the, the the deepest of squads and like I say, I don't think they've replaced Gundogan. Like Kovacic is a good player, but he's not. He's a very different type of player, I think, to what Gundogan was. Mm. Um, obviously, Haaland been missing. This is going to sound ridiculous to say because the amount of goals he gets, but I don't think that's actually a major issue for them because the year before they signed him, they won the league basically without a centre forwards. I think De Bruyne's in injury is having a real effect on them. Um, yeah, very, very strange what, what's going on. But like has, what has been said by quite a few people, and again, like, I, there, I think there is merit to it. Coming off the back of the amazing year they had last year, it, it sounds like it shouldn't be, but it is difficult to sort of get yourself to that level again. Yeah, we, I think we speculated in the, the pre-season show about what the motivation of some of these players would be now. Um, and it might even be as daft as to say it. Some of them have got one eye on Saudi Arabia this week because mm. that's you know something they haven't won. Uh, obviously, for have they ever won? I don't think they have. They couldn't have done it. They only just won the Champions League. So no, yeah. they want to add that to their list. Um, you know how seriously Pep takes every cup. He can really. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm be surprised if they kind of got one eye on that. Um, having said that, you know they, they dominated this game really. Um, yeah. I think they just tried to put it to bed, and so you just can't do that with Jeff Schlupp around because, as certain as death and taxes, Jeff Schlupp will be there getting goals and assists for Palace in games where you just don't expect it. <laughs> but I, I think I did. I did say last week that Palace do seem to have a quite a decent record at, at Man City for some yeah. reason. Like they, they have picked up a number of results against Pep there over the years. But, I mean, I, I didn't see this one coming, certainly not after 75 minutes. No, no, me neither. Um, but I'm sure Palace will take it. They've not been in great form, but... Um, well, I mean, that's... Is this not just the enigma that is Crystal Palace? Like, was it they lost, lost like, recently back-to-back to home to Everton, um, right at Luton, I think, lose late on against Liverpool and then go away to Man City and, and get a point from 2-0 down just 15 minutes ago. Like they are the oddest team, I think, in Premier League history. Quite possibly, yeah, but but no win in six, nevertheless. <laughs> um, so they said 15th, but, mm, you know, I doubt they're going to go down. Um, I do wonder, though, how long Roy's got left um, as a manager. This will be last year, <laughs> surely. Well, I kind of get the point. I wonder if you're going to see out this year. But then again, whilst there's no danger, um, mm. they've wanted to go out on his own terms. But anyway. But did you not see how happy he was? Oh, time, he was so smile. happy. He's facing that penalty he went in. He's not going anywhere for another 10, uh, years. Ten more years, Roy. <laughs> loved, lovely Roy. So happy. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday... Um, we'll not do an awful lot on Bournemouth and Luton. Obviously, I'll... Best wishes go to Tom Lockyer. Um, I don't think there's any point in analysing the 60-odd minutes that, were, that did take place. Um, so we'll just say, you know, well done to the medical teams for uh, yeah. 
for doing what they did and getting Tom to uh, hospital and also obviously urgent medical attention. So fingers crossed, everything turns oh, out for uh, Yeah, just like. I mean, it's, it's it's just really heartbreaking, actually, isn't it? You know, obviously, you had the thing in the playoff final, sort of, you know, to get back from that and, and captain Luton in the Premier League, like, must must just been brilliant for him, having, you know, had that um, horrible thing in the in the playoffs. So, it's happened again. It's, it's just, it's, it's devastating. And like you say, you know, um, hats off to, to the medical team because there's been, you know, far too many tragic occasions where you know it, it's, it's gone the other way so mm. yeah just you know hearts and thoughts go out to him and, and hopefully mate he can make a full recovery yeah and you know i hope he can take some solace in the fact that he came back from that in the summer and was able to you know captain luton in the premier league um which yeah. might have seemed like a distant achievement uh it was probably not a bit unlikely at some stages but um you know at least he has been able to do that so hopefully it's not his last game but uh yeah we will find out. Um, elsewhere, Chelsea beat Sheffield at 2-0. Um, typical Sheffield United away game, really. Didn't Jeez. really offer an awful lot other than trying to keep the score down. Um, Cole Palmer was exceptional in this one, from, from what I've seen and, and read. Um, scored and laid on a goal. For, even Nicholas Jackson couldn't miss. I mean, I, I, I didn't know... So on on Saturday afternoon, I was uh, around at a friend's house. We were checking the scores as I was they were coming in, and I, I didn't, I couldn't work out which I found more shocking: uh, the Palace equaliser or, or Nicholas Jackson scoring. Like you know, I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself when, when I saw the two <laughs> things coming in. I mean, if you need any indication, as we, we were talking last week about, will uh, will Chris Wilder coming in, you know, give give Sheffield United that shot in the arm? Fact that they they lost comfortably to Chelsea and Nicholas Jackson scored should uh, should answer those questions <laughs> for us. Well, perhaps um, I don't uh, I don't think they'll have this down as being any more than a defeat, really. Um, <laughs> but there's could be better games for Chris Wilder to try and turn us around in than this one. But um, Chelsea. Are, <laughs> Every time, every time Chelsea have shown any signs of life, they've sort of taken one step forward and two steps immediately backwards. So, uh, who, who have they got coming up? Well, they've got us tomorrow night in the old uh, Carabao um, at Stamford Bridge. Away at Wolves. Uh, on Christmas Eve, away at Wolves. Yeah, what a treat! Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's where they they take their two steps backwards. <laughs> well. Uh, all Gary O'Neill wants for Christmas is um, very hard to go in his favour, but uh, more on that later. Um, the other three o'clock game on Saturday saw the mighty, mighty Magpies uh, return to form with a 3-0 win over Fulham. Um, it was nice to win a game relatively easily. Um, well, I suppose we should discuss the red card and not the red <laughs> card. Um, Raul Jimenez, what was that like? <laughs> What's Mexican for fancy holiday this year? <laughs> I mean, he he was clearly riled by um, an incident, uh, you know, the, the, not long before his his red cards involving Lascelles. I mean, I don't. I, how how did you see that before? I give my thoughts on that incident. I thought Lascelles one was your typical defender is looking to get in front of his man. Probably been aggressive trying to do so. Don't think he's gone to like do him with an elbow, but I mean he has caught him. Mm. Probably should have been a booking. Um but I don't think it was ever a, a red card. I don't think there's any any malice in it particularly. Um but for him to react like that and then kind of bottle out of it halfway through, so it's end up arsing him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean so I thought with the the Lascelles thing it, it's it reminds me a bit of what um, Arsenal fans were complaining about Diego Carlos with us last week. I, I agree. I think it's a defender being a, a defending aggressively. But I think with with this one and, and with Carlos for us last week, it, they're the one of those instances that you are, I think, taking a risk. Like you, you've. I don't necessarily think they are red cards, but it's one of those you've seen them given, and if a red had been dished out, I don't think it would have been overturned. So I, I think it's one of those 
you are taking a risk when you're doing that. Um, and maybe Jimenez, and this, you know, maybe I'm just, I'm giving him, you know, being too generous to him here, but obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's got, like, he's well documented, you know, his terrible injury. And, you know, if you've had, if you've had such a horrible injury like that, you, you are going to be probably more sensitive and, you know, more, you've got to react in a way that maybe others wouldn't to getting, have, receiving a challenge like that. Now that's not to excuse what he did then in, in return. But if I'm, I know maybe just trying to get into his, where his mind was at. And it, it, his challenge was a weird, because he, he goes flying in in the most outrageous way. And it's almost like halfway through, <laughs> he sort of catches himself and, and realizes what the fucking hell are you doing? So like, and, he tried, I think he does then try and pull out of it, but he's too far gone and you can't have, I mean, Marco Silva seemed very annoyed about it in his interview uh, match of the day, but I'm sure when he looks back at it, he's like, I mean, you, you can't have any complaints about it. It was just ridiculous, wasn't it? It was. Um, Marco Silva was angry about everything. Um, and the problem is, uh, the FA haven't charged Arteta for going ballistic about um, the other week when he went off it, which now means more and more managers are going to go off it and, and <laughs> you know, and probably get away with it. Um, he also complained about the referee um, giving that red card when the referee didn't give that red card. He gave a yellow card uh, and it was the VAR that upgraded to a red. Um, so, silly Marco. Do you think he, he's just angry at himself and like every day he wakes up and thinks, why didn't I just go with... I'd say he could have been sat on a big golden toilet right now, and instead, <laughs> instead he's slumming it in uh, in Fulham. But um, it's strange as well because I mean uh, they've had a really good week. <laughs> They'd won you know two games five nil. Uh, Jimenez was in good form in both those games, and now he's going to sit out for three, um, which is daft really. But that's the way it goes. I mean, once they were down to ten men, it was. But once we got that first goal, it was never really in doubt. Um, yeah. Nice for And a much needed win for, for yourselves as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, our, our home form has been impeccable, really, other than uh, yeah. other than 10 mad minutes against Liverpool, where we went from one look against 10 men to losing to one. We, we haven't lost. Um, and I uh, said, so never really looked in doubt here once we got that first goal. Um, probably could have been more. We hit the woodwork a couple of times. Um Lewis Miley, 17, getting his first goal. Very nice. I lo- yeah, I like him. I, I, I loved uh, loved his little chaperone for his interview as well. I'm <laughs> yes. Well, well, Bruno was probably in tears during the celebration, which uh, was nice. Um, probably a bit over the top, but, you know, <laughs> why not? Um, I was all like Bruno Guimaraes listened to your comments last week and thought, I'm going to show yeah. that, Simon. I'm having the time of my life. Because <laughs> uh, the ball for the third goal was incredible as well, outside the right foot. Um, aye, good times. Um, but yeah, much needed. Um, a bit of a reality check, not just you know normally when you say that after a defeat, but I think it's well worth reminding ourselves that we're still oh, co- yeah. comfortably better than probably the bottom twelve, shall we call them? Um, yeah, I think, like, I think like, I mean, when I say much needed, it's probably more just because uh, obviously like in midweek with um, the Champions League, like, and it does. It, it feels so unjust that you finish bottom of that group. Yeah. Like, really, like it, it, it doesn't feel right. And I think, I mean, obviously finishing top four last year was, you know, heads of expectations and, you know, getting back in there is great. You've obviously, it just adds to the feel good factor has been building for a while and to sort of to go out and you know, not even like have sort of the Europa League then to fall back on it. And, and like, as I say, is it feeling like it, it doesn't feel fair that that is kind of happened that way. It, that it, you could quite easily see that maybe like a hangover effect from that. Um, so to sort of, to, to come, you know, next, next game back with a very convincing win, like, um, with, you know, still having quite a few injuries as well, I, I think it, it sets yourselves up again really nicely. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, we lost two more injury in this one. Oh, they, don't look, they don't look too bad. Um, but we did get Sven Botman back, uh, and Dan Byrne came back in the week as well, and obviously scored here. So, uh, the treatment room is getting a little bit lighter, but not massively so. Um, and like I said, big 
quarterfinal Tuesday night. Um, again, we've run the gauntlet, haven't gone to Man City, Man United, and now Chelsea. So um, no one could deny us if we do manage to win this cup. <laughs> um, done it the hard way, uh, but hopefully, you know, I don't like Chelsea. I would hate to go out to them, but uh, yeah, we'll see. And if you if you get through, you, you'll 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 just get Liverpool in the semi-finals. Yeah, well, it's over, <laughs> Liverpool over two legs seems fair, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, look forward to that. It couldn't be Middlesbrough Port Vale, could it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I guarantee you, if Chelsea beat us, they'll get Middlesbrough Port Vale. Ah, oh, of course they will. <laughs> um, the final game of Saturday saw so, uh, Carl's mighty Everton um, beat Burnley two nil. Um, <laughs> Very, very Sean Dyche game, this. Um, I mean, they were just never troubled, really. Um, Burnley did what they always do, which is pass the ball about quite neatly, but don't really do an awful lot with it. And Everton scored... Uh, well, Michael Keane scored. What was there to say? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the first goal was... I mean, it's just classic. Dyche, wasn't it? Uh, set piece, loads everyone onto... The young keeper, um, oh no, I mean, he's got great ball in and big, the powerful towering header. But I think, I mean, we, we've said, I don't know how many times we, we can sort of keep saying the same thing about Burnley, really. <laughs> like, they've just they've offered absolutely nothing, like, they've they've lost every home game bar Sheffield United, <laughs> you know, like, I just, I. I'm really surprised that company has kind of not become under the type of media scrutiny that any other manager with that run of form would. I think it's odd. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously got a lot of credit in the bank for uh, how easily they won the championship last season, but um, I just think they've been so naive in the way they've played in every single game. And, you know, we always say this, like, it's... it's uh, Commendable that he stuck with it, but like, yeah. How long did he stick with it for? Well, funny enough, so I, uh, one of the friends I was with on the weekend, uh, she's a Burnley fan, season ticket holder. Uh, like, she was not at the game on, on Saturday, and I, I was asking her, like, what, what's her feeling? What's the sort of general feeling at, at the game? Games when she goes, she was saying that they're kind of, they're all still kind of largely on board and, and still with it. Um, she kind of said the feeling was that they didn't expect to to go up last season, but they thought that they were going to be in, in for a bit of a long stint in the championship. Um, so she was kind of saying that as that it, if it gets it, until it gets to the stage where it looks like the players have just completely sort of lost interest in him and gone as well, then she's kind of of the opinion that the general feeling is that that the uh, fans would be happy to stick with him even if they go down um, because they would then back themselves to come back up with, you know, those parachute payments and and having had the experience of it. But, I mean, it's all well and good saying that now. You know, if come March, April, they've still lost every other home game. You know, that's that's testing that sort of patience and loyalty by that stage, I think. Yes, I'd say so. Um, I also, like... Again, when clubs get relegated, like it sometimes takes a bit to sort of wash that stench off, doesn't it? Like it doesn't kind of just disappear. They don't become a winning club again overnight. Um, obviously, you had to change a lot of the personnel when they went down last time, which in some ways helps because they came in fresh to the project, if you like. But assuming he's going to stick with a lot of these players if they go down again, I'm, I'm not sure how how well that would that would go the second time around. But I guess. Mm cross our bridge when it comes to it. Um, on to Sunday's games, um, we'll get Chris's Arsenal out the way first because they um, had a bit of a surprisingly easy afternoon, I'm going to call it, beating Brighton 2-0. First time Brighton haven't scored this season, um, which is an incredible achievement, really. But um, Arsenal always in control of this one? <coughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've, I've not seen anything <laughs> from this game uh, at all. Um, but I'm... Um, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, well, a comfortable victory for Arsenal. Well, I mean, it's, it's his time of year, but Gabriel Jesus scored. Um, always 
always about in December, isn't he? Everywhere, <laughs> every, every, you look, Jesus, Jesus this, Jesus that. <laughs> um, and uh, Kai Havertz made it 2-0 late on. Um, who I found out this week is younger than Eddie and Kerry. Really? Yes. Just let that sink in for a minute. That cannot, that can't be true, Sean. Well, would I lie to you? I don't, I don't believe you would, and that was blowing my mind. So just, <laughs> just, well, well, I mean, you, you learn something new every day, don't you? You really do. You really I'm do. gonna have to. I, I, I believe you. But I'm gonna have to double check this. this that, oh, I'm absolutely gobsmacked at that. <laughs> be funny if it turned out I was wrong after all this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Kai Havertz is 24, and. Where are you, Eddie and Ketia? Or oh, stone me? <laughs> yes, by about a month. Oh, oh well. I mean, that that genuinely, genuinely, I was convinced that Ketia was like still nineteen or something. Yeah, I think that's deceptive, isn't it? Because he's still like this young backup striker. <laughs> but is he oh. going to be one of these like Jesse Lingards? Yes. A, a good young player in, in his mid-30s. I, I, I think so. When he's scoring goals for West Ham next season, they'll be like, well... <laughs> but I mean, Eddie and Ketty, wasn't he playing with play the under-21s last season? Like... I was just about to say the same. <laughs> he won the tournament. Hmm. Saw... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Join us next week for more higher or lower. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I feel like we're doing them a disservice, not really talking about it much, but uh, Arsenal are top of the table. Uh, or are they? Because Liverpool are still the player. But yes, Arsenal, <laughs> after winning this game, went top of the table. Um, I guess, uh, you know, it's probably a sign that Arsenal have matured. They didn't concede here and they didn't, you know, do something ridiculous. They did have 26 shots. Um, Brighton only had six and uh, only managed one on target. So, it was yeah. I mean, Arsenal they defensively have been excellent this year. I, I, I was listening to something earlier on today. I think last season they it was, they conceded something like one point two goals a game, and I think this season they're on something like something like zero point eight or something like that. Like they've really tightened up defensively, which has probably been slightly to the detriment of how good like entertaining they were from an attacking sense. But, I mean, it's obviously not affected them in terms of results because they're sitting, sitting top of the league. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been impressed with them. And I, I think, you know, probably said it a few times, like Declan Rice, it's, there's no coincidence that they look so much better from a defensive point of view with him in the team because he's, he's an outstanding footballer. Yeah, he does a great job in there, doesn't he? I think... Made this point after they played us, but he's he's pivotal at sort of both ends of the field because uh, he does a great job of protecting that back forward. Also, like in transition, he's so good. Um, mm. I think uh, I think every passing game he looks like a bargain, even at a hundred odd million, whatever it was, which is mad to say. But um, when you think how much you know someone like Caicedo went for, um, oh, yeah. and he's being like you know nowhere near as effective, um, to put it mildly. So. Um, well done to Arsenal. Um, a good win. Uh, hopefully Chris enjoyed it. Um, we'll do West Ham again before we do you, Si, but uh, this was the Sky game, and I was mourning that this was the worst of the three games to, to show on Sky, and it actually wasn't that bad in the end. Um, brilliant if you're a West Ham fan, because they won 3-0 against Wolves. Um, they... Uh, they... Um, Thoroughly deserved it. Um, Paqueta was, was brilliant. Um, Caduce took two goals very well indeed. Uh, and Jared Bowen wrapped things up later on with a nice finish across the keeper, which at first thought I was like, the goalkeeper should really save that, but it actually was perfectly placed yeah. um, in the corner. So we'll give old Bentley um, a pass on that one. Um, you said earlier uh, Crystal Palace were one of the strangest teams in the Prem. West Ham can't be far behind that in terms of <laughs> strangeness. Um, this win took them to, well, seventh temporarily, but eighth um, is where they are. The close of play, um, it's probably, probably about right, but um, 
What do you make of them this season? Yeah, they like like you say, they they, they are really strange. I mean, um, last weekend, uh, I was about my dad's. We saw the result uh, against his Fulham. Was it last five nil? So yes, and like when. When we saw the scores coming in, like back virtually at the same time, in with the Adelaide Suns, and they went, West Ham are a strange old team, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they've gone to Tottenham in midweek and won, and then get battled at Fulham, and then they, you know, top their group in Europe in midweek, and then had a nice, comfortable win today. Yeah, they, they are a bit of a bit of an odd one. Um, yeah, I kind of like they. They they go through like streaks, don't they? So they'll go on like a really good run of four or five games, and then they'll lose three or four in a row. Um, so it's kind of it's difficult to sort of gauge for the proper opinion of them because you know it's, it's there's all your opinions on teams. There's there's a lot of recency bias that kind of just creeps into like your initial gut reaction. So when you you're asked about West Ham, it, it literally depends on on which sort of form they're on at the moment, as to what you you make of them. They've got they've got some really really good players. Um, I kind of I repeat something I said a, a few weeks ago that as much as I I rate David Moyes and he's he's still a more than capable manager, I do wonder if West Ham had like a a deserve. Uh, how an Emery, even a, a big and mate. <laughs> I wonder would they be doing better with some of the, the players that they've got because they've got some very very gifted players and especially in that sort of midfield and attacking midfield role. I don't think they've quite got the striker that those other uh, teams have that uh, just mentioned there, but they've they've got some, like Kudos and I think he's a fucking brilliant player. I don't really understand actually how West Ham got him in the summer. I find it incredible that you know Ten Hag's bought most of the Ajax squad and not the, not not the best one. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just bought all the other ones. Um, yeah, he's he's really really good. Um, probably you know too good for West Ham really. Um, although you know West Ham Europa League side doing well, eight in the league. They're only two points behind us. Like I mean, you can't you can't really knock them. Um, they've just had some mad results along the way. Um, to be sitting eight to the minus one goal difference kind of sums it up. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, yeah, strange thing. Should they finish with 11 men on the pitch, Dave? No, because I think... <laughs> I mean, Soufal had a few goals have been sent off it, um, and to eventually Moy sort him off, <laughs> fearing that he wouldn't be playing for the foreseeable future. I, um, I mean, that, that one smash challenge they did, I, I, did, he did... Did he even get booked for that? Uh, no, he only got booked later on. Um for probably a much a much lesser fault. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I don't I I can't understand how he's got away with that. It's really really strange. Uh, it was just uh, a strange afternoon for him. Um, he then got subbed off, and his replacement got booked within a minute as well. So um, <laughs> poor um, Bellegarde for Wolves got uh, got a good old kicking for no real reason. Um, but yeah, Sufar clearly has plans this Christmas and is desperate to uh, to realise them with some time off or Boxing Day and such. Um, good luck to him next weekend. I hope he, I hope he gets the card he wait, he's waiting for. <laughs> um, right, our inside. Let's uh, let's talk about Villa coming from behind to defeat Brentford. Um, the mean old Brentford fans were, were nasty to Ollie Watkins for most of the game. Um, Watkins had the last laugh that was scoring the winner. Um, there was also Ben May being sent off for a fairly bad foul. Um, Kamara being sent off for getting involved in nonsense slid on. Uh, uh, get right, how I pick the ones out of this one. <coughs> um, I mean, uh, just from a purely like football result point of view, huge for us, really. Um, you know, we've had one of my mates uh, text after the game. That's seven games we've had in the last 21 days, and we've won five and drawn two of them. Um, like, which is obviously very impressive to sort of come back 
from behind and win this on on the back of a trip to Bosnia on Thursday, <laughs> and on the back of obviously two very big ninety minutes um, <clears throat> against City and Arsenal as well. Really, really impressive and sort of shows the sort of strength of character that that we've got at the moment. Uh, the the game, like the first half. We, we, I mean, the first half and the, the whole game as a whole, we, we kind of we dominated it, really. The goal, we get a really poor goal that, that we gave away, which we, we've done that a few times away from home this season, given a goal like that from a corner. Um, very, very strange. This has happened multiple times now. It's something clearly not quite right there. And, um, you know, it's going 1-0 down half-time. You're gutted, but I kind of... I felt like it, it wasn't wasn't something that was too difficult to sort of overcome because of how much in control of the game we were. And even as, as the second half went on, I, you kind of... Brentford were very well organised and were hard to break down. Part of me did sort of feel like it, it would be a matter of the time before we equalised, purely because we were just so dominant and I, I didn't know if Brentford would have the energy to see it out for the whole game. Obviously, the red cards... It helped in the sense that there was just that bit more space for us in the final thirds to operate in. Um, you know, you, you can't... There's no way of knowing how the result would have been had they kept an Evermel on the pitch. And I've kind of seen... I mean, a few Brentford fans, they 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 didn't react well on, on Twitter after the game. There must be something in the water in London, because that's Tottenham, Arsenal and Brentford fans now who have... Been very, have had very strange reactions to losing to us. But one of the points I've said, I've, I've seen a lot of times, is oh, if, if we'd had eleven men on the pitch, we'd have won that. And as I just said, there's no way of knowing. But the reason that you didn't have eleven men on the pitch was because Ben Mee committed a fucking awful challenge. Like that's <laughs> that's not an unfortunate thing. The the I mean, Thomas Frank didn't think it was the Reds, which is ridiculous. The only talking points there should be about their red cards is how the hell did the ref not give a red card initially he was stood four feet away if if leon bailey's leg is planted that could be that could have been a leg break like ben me he a few years ago when he was at burnley uh, we played them and he committed a horrific challenge on wesley which put uh, him out for like 18 months and he, he didn't even get booked for that one. So there's, there was no... I can see there's zero sympathy from Villa fans for Ben Mee for, for that red card. And then once he does get that, you kind of felt like, OK, we need to we need to take advantage of it quickly. We've got an equaliser not too long after it. And from the moment we equalised, I did kind of feel we, we were going to go on and, and get the winner. Um, see, Watkins, he's kind of the last... Last few away games we've had, he's not really been that involved in them, but has come up with with goals. Like he's, he is becoming a lot more clinical, and the the celebration thing, which sort of lit the the, the fuse for for the chaos that ensued afterwards. Like obviously, he's been as he's sort of said, there was, there was one fan who was you know giving him. Uh, as he's, well, as he's described, you know, quite a bit of bad personal abuse throughout the game. But I don't know of what nature, and you know, it's not, it wouldn't be right to speculate on what that, the nature of that abuse was. But if if you're going to give it out, you've got to be able to take it back. And what did he really? He just stood there looking like, it's, okay, yeah, it's, I mean, he, he stood in the goal, like, like staring back. But he's, he's, he's all he's doing is just pointing to that the one guy who's who's you know been nailing him for 90 minutes so I don't I don't really actually think there's anything too wrong with that you know if fans dish it out you should be able to take it back but it, it obviously you know it it, uh, it it set things in motion and then you got the uh, the cunt off between <laughs> Mopay and and Martinez didn't you you know trying to out shit out each other and as much of a a knob as Neil Mopay is don't take on Emmy Martinez in that game because no. he's the goat. He knows he knows what he's doing. <laughs> the my the only thing is I'm, I'm a, I don't why did Kamara get himself involved? You know, it's a silly red card, but having said having said that, it, it kind of it feels a bit harsh that, that he's got a red for that when you know talk about Sufan in that last game. You know, it doesn't seem like they're this the this the same you know, it doesn't seem like he he's what he did was really worthy of that. You know, he's kind of he's 
shoved him sort of in the half chest, half throat, which you can't you can't raise your hands, but you know, it felt a bit felt a bit harsh. But he's kind of only got himself to blame for getting involved. You know, when when Emmy's in that mood, just just let him get on with it and let it play out. I think he's sort of taken the red for the team. I mean, someone was going to go when, when that scuffle <laughs> happened. Um, and Kamara probably thought, well, rather me than him. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's got big plans as well over the festive period. Um, who knows? Um, but either way, the bottom line is that Villa have won again. Um, they stay yeah. in the top three. And as you so well, actually, we'll do this in a minute after we've done the last game, but... Um, Another feather in your cap. Uh, another tough place ticked off with, with three points. Yep. I mean, just like just quickly on the fact of the away win, a lot has been made about our away form compared to our home form. Obviously, the, the home form is ridiculous. We want every game. It's stupid. But in terms of like, if you the the table just based on the away form, we're we're sixth in away form. You know, it's not it's not as horrific as as. Uh, a lot of pundits seem seem to be making out. Um, so yeah, I'll just try. I'll just chuck that in as well. No, I mean I don't think any team can really expect to win every single away match as well as their home matches. <laughs> I mean, for goodness' sake, it's a tough place to go and win. Well, we've won once away all season, so um, yeah. yeah. Never mind. Um, the last game of the day promised so very much and delivered <laughs> so very little. Um, <laughs> Liverpool nil, Man United nil. Um, in many ways, both teams were lucky to get nil. Um, it was obviously, you know, Liverpool were expected to make all the running. Um, they did have a lot of the play, but some of the worst decision making I've seen for a long time in the final third. Um, I think Liverpool had something like thirty shots, maybe more. Thirty-four. Thirty-four, um, but. So many of those were shots from stupid positions when there was a better option available. Um, give us your overall summary before I start picking on individuals. Um, yeah, it, it, like you said, it, it, I think it, it, it promised a lot in that. I think every, you know a lot of neutrals were looking forward to seeing how many the Liverpool would rack up against <laughs> against United's. Um, but 34 shots, only eight on target. So like you say, so many were, from, you know, ridiculous uh, sort of positions. And I think Carragher made the point that, you know, a lot of those shots get counted as a shot where defenders blocked it, you know, from two yards away from mm. where the guy's taking the shot from. So it's one of those that, that can slightly be misleading. Like we actually look at sort of proper chance like real good chances there's what maybe two or three where you'd say they should have really stuck them away and you know Manu had a couple of really decent chances on the count and got Nacho you know if he'd have sort of his feet out a bit quicker had a really really good opportunity to, to sit one away I kind of yeah dis- disappointed with with Liverpool's performance actually because you look at if you just looked at the stats and had not seen any of the game you'd be thinking, how on earth have they not blown them away? But, you know, I kind of don't think they actually did enough to win that game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think they kind of expected it to happen, didn't they? And uh, no one really took the bull by the horns. I thought um, Stobislai was sloppy. Um, Salah had one of his frustrating afternoons, which he has had a few of over the years, but... Um, no lack of sort of effort, but got in a good position and then you know, didn't get a shot away or shot was a bit weak or whatever else. Um, I want to ask you about Darwin Nunez because he's hmm. been in the Premier League for a season and a half now. Um, I think he's an active hindrance to how Liverpool want to play. Um, he's offside a lot. He's clumsy. He's not decisive enough. Um, and we've seen his best far too rarely um, across a season and a half. Now, unfortunately, we've been on the receiving end of him and his best, which is two pinpoint finishes, have to be said, um, at St. James's. But a lot of the time, he's just clumsy and offside, or both. Um, how do you see him? 
I mean, I I completely agree with everything you said, and yet for some reason I I put him in my fantasy team this week <laughs> because because he you kind of I look at him and I think he's got everything like he's got all the attributes that he should be a success like he's 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 big you know he's he's, uh, he's powerful he's fast he's always kind of on the move he's always like trying to get on the end of things and when he does score they're like they're always really fucking good finishes yeah and like he's, he's had like a, a number of um you know there's been like loads of shots in games where the keeper's pulled off great saves and you think you know like how's the keeper you know got away with that one yet i do agree with everything you said as well that you kind of you look at him sometimes and think like how what, what's he doing on the pitch I, I, I think he's a really really odd one and i kind of i still think that there, there is there is something there that i wouldn't be wanting i wouldn't be writing him off just yet but it's how long do you keep giving someone leeway i mean he's still fairly young i think is he i don't know mm-hmm. if he's older or younger than in Ketia. Well, we'll find out. I think you're right. I think he is on the right side of uh, 25. Um, it, it's a it's an odd one. I kind of, I, I, I don't, I don't really know what to make of him because, like, you can argue. There's so many, I think, things that you can argue in the pro list, and there's so many things in the can, and like they're all right, but I, I don't know, and I think I know that's. It's kind of boring sitting on the fence, answer, but I, I, I just I think he's a really strange player because, as I say, he's got I think all the attributes, yet he he still has just such a kind of rawness about him, which after what eighteen months now, you think should have been ironed out some of it. Yeah, I think in games where they're they're able to play on the counter attack, um, he is far more useful than games like this where he's up against a fairly low block. Yeah. Um, if you look at, like, for example, I think they played Everton when Everton were down to 10 and Liverpool were winning and him on the break was quite useful late in the game. Um, various other examples which I can't think of off the top of my head, but if Liverpool were able to... He had, he had a field day against us at Anfield, I think due to sort of the, the high line that they've been playing. Like he yes. If you get it, if you've got people like Trent and Sana, you know, being able to pick out the passes for your runs, and you, you know, you get the timing of it right. Yeah, you're right. Counter attacking or teams that are going to play higher, he's going to be a lot more effective than a game like like the weekends. Yes, um, that's what it seems like to me. Now, another thing with him is that I'm not sure. Um, it's an odd thing to say. I, I don't think Liverpool's the right club for him um, purely because he's clearly a very emotional kind of player like you know when that crowds up he goes into overdrive and gets you know he got booked early on here for absolutely wiping out Johnny Evans which is a pointless thing to do like just let nature take its course <laughs> and Johnny Evans will break of his own accord um, and I just think <laughs> it's a stupid thing to say I know but like I just think when the atmosphere is up like that and he goes into bull in a china shop mode, he's just going to get a yellow card and just become pointless because um, he yeah. was very ineffective after that moment because he couldn't throw himself about. Um, and I, I mean, he might, he might mature, I don't know, but it just doesn't seem like the best fit in the world for me. Yeah, I, I think, well, I think as well, the, the style of playing, style of forwards he is, I, I don't think it does suit that Liverpool front three because I don't think he, the way that they operate, <laughs> With, with their three, the the middle guy, you know, uh, the, the Familio role, if you like, is more of that sort of false nine, you know, dropping deep, which is not his game at all. And whilst he's very quick and powerful, which is useful on the wing in certain situations, like Salah and Diaz are clearly better players and better suited to play those roles than him. So I'm, I'm not, I think he, if you add him, I tell you where he'd be good, Chelsea. <laughs> well, maybe. I'm sure they'll try and buy him for four thousand million or something. <laughs> um, 
I think uh, you're right. I mean, Diaz and Salah, obviously, I mean, you know, all Liverpool's attacks um, are set up to get the most out of Mo Salah. I don't think that's a secret. Um, Firmino was obviously very good at it. Um, Nunez less so. Uh, Shotter, obviously injured at the minute, was very is, well is very good at it, but uh, isn't there to, to play at the moment. Um, don't know. I'm not convinced by him. Well, to be honest, I thought you know maybe it's a harsh one because Liverpool were. They didn't click all afternoon, really. Um, thought Klopp subs were daft. Um, didn't really. I mean, I know he's trying to do, but it didn't really work. I thought Harvey Elliott was very lucky to be sort of the last throw of the dice, having Wallace won the game for them last week at Palace. Um, I thought he would have been ideal to bring on as part of that midfield to try and overload that side of the pitch, but he only got the last ten minutes, I think. Um, this yeah. was all after bringing on Joe Gomez to play as a marauding right back who has never scored a goal, not yes. w- not one, and they, deci- they decided he was the man for the job. Um, just thought it was odd. Thought the whole thing was odd. Um, as you said earlier, they didn't do enough to win the game. They had a lot of nearly moments, but uh, do you think really... that there's anything to um, Roy Keane's? Uh, assessments of uh, a bit of arrogance and complacency about Liverpool? Um, well, I think I alluded to earlier, I, th- I think Liverpool thought they would turn up and win the game. Mm. Uh, I think the fans thought the same. Well, Anfield was flat as a fart yesterday. Oh, Dodger. Um, and I think when they didn't score early, I think they sort of thought, well, what's going on? And they didn't really get behind the team, particularly because they were never never really under any pressure. Um and Man United had the odd counter-attack, but it was never sustained. It was very much a flash in the pan when it did happen. Mm. Um, and I just, you know, sometimes I mean, St. James is the same, to be honest. Like, quite often, um, if we don't score early, the fans drift away a bit. Um, yeah. And I think that's what happened in Anfield yesterday. Uh, so obviously, if, if Liverpool had scored, I think obviously the place would have erupted and it would have been a different game, but the longer it went on 0-0, the, the less likely I felt it was that Liverpool would score. Um it was just one of those strange days where, you know, nothing really clicked for them. Um, Man United defended well. Um, I thought Varane was exceptional. It makes a mockery of the fact that he hasn't played. I, I was going to say that. Like, it's amazing, isn't it? You, you, you put a World Cup multiple times <laughs> winner into your centre-backs uh, you know, over Victor Lindelof and... It's interesting how that works out, isn't it? Strange, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what did you make of Dallow's red card for being a very angry little boy? Oh, it's funny, wasn't it? <laughs> well, that's it. I'm sure, like, many idle point, they're like, well, it's never happened to anybody else. But I was like, well, maybe it should, because there's no need yeah. to go on like that. It's only, it's only a throw in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's such an odd thing to get to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he actually had a good game as well, Dallow. I thought uh, usually in, in those bigger games, um, it'll be Juan Basaka who was in there because he's the best one-on-one defender in the world, quote unquote. <laughs> um, they went with Dallow, and it was the right choice. Um, I think you alluded to this in the WhatsApp group, but it's the type of result you're not that unhappy with. Well, you're obviously not unhappy with it. It's great for you, yeah. um, but also it means Ten Hag probably has bought himself more time. So ah, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, because they're still not very good. But uh, they slip to seventh, um, whereas Liverpool go second on goal difference from yourselves in third, one point behind Arsenal, who are top. Um, and Man City way back on 34 points. Um, obviously, Man City won't play now until the day after Boxing Day because of their overseas commitments, um, which means they could be nine points adrift of Arsenal next time they play. Um, or, in your ideal world, you will be checking out on Friday um, and then Liverpool and Arsenal play out a draw and uh, you will top the table this this Christmas time. It's fucking insane, isn't it? <laughs> that, that's a possibility. <laughs> it is insane, so I won't lie to you, but um, you're totally there on merit. You know, I mean, you've, you've beaten... Most of the teams around you, um, obviously Arsenal, Man City, most recently, but Tottenham away a few weeks before that. Mm-hmm. Um, have you got Man United soon? Boxing Day? Uh, Boxing Day, yeah. I mean that that wouldn't worry you. I think that's like no. that's like 
the perfect fixture almost for you because the way they play, they won't sit back and then they'll, ca- they'll get caught offside and maybe offside at least five times, I can tell you that now. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, all is rosy in the Villa Garden. Yeah, definitely. And like just, it's obviously like this, this last week has been a lot of talk from, you know, uh, discussion about are we in a title race or, or whatever and regardless like, I don't think that we are going to win the league I don't think there's many Villa fans that actually genuinely do but I will make no apologies for in, allowing ourselves to, to dream and get carried away and enjoy it like seven years ago we got relegated finishing bottom of the league with 17 points like, <laughs> we've over the last 10 15 years we've we've been largely we've been really shit and it's been like and like genuinely so so horrible going to, to Villa Park to watch games so what I don't you know as a, as a fan if you can't enjoy these moments like when things are going well having pull up with that then what what's the what's the point so yeah okay we, we might be getting carried away and you know talking nonsense about being the title race but I make absolutely no apologies for it because that what that's the whole, surely the whole point of being a fan of a football team is is dreaming and, in, and enjoying it when it's going well. Well, exactly. No, I mean, <laughs> we probably don't want to hear the comparisons, but this happened with Leicester, didn't it, where they were, you know, they were top at the end of October, they were top at the end of November, and then they were top at Christmas, and they were like, well, when can we start believing this is going to happen? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and funny enough, it did. Now, obviously, Leicester didn't have any other commitments, really, but uh, there's no reason why you can't. Um but I let's just see what happens. I guess exactly. It's probably yeah, just... probably at least two games before we'll speak again. Um, maybe even three. I can't remember how the calendar looks, but still, um, there's a lot of football we played this month. Let alone, uh, yeah. let alone rest of the season. So interesting, though. Nice to have a well. I see a three-team title race. You couldn't really count Man City over it, so I guess it's really four. Um, I'm sure they'll make up those points. Unfortunately, for everybody else at some point. But, <laughs> um, we will see. Kevin De Bruyne is back in train um, over in Saudi, so look out Premier League, I would say. Yeah, exactly. See, seeing them come back in the new year. But, I mean, like, like you say, it's, it's, it's nice that there's actually like a competitive top of the table. You know, we've had so many years of it basically just being Man City with the odd challenge from Liverpool and obviously Arsenal last season. So the fact that you know, you've got the four teams as he is at the moment, you know, Tottenham a point behind Man City. You know, yourself also only you're five points behind the top four. Like this, it is it's a competitive league at the top. I mean, in the, in the WhatsApp group, Harley and Carl were you know saying how dreadful the league, you know, the stand of the league is. I, I actually completely disagree. I, I think there's, I think there, there is like a selection of teams that obviously are really poor. But I think there's a lot, I personally, there's a lot of actually very good teams and that they just, the the fact that they kind of all take points off each other can maybe give the impression that the standard's not great. But I think it's more a case that, you know, the likes of over the last few years, yourself, uh, us, Brighton, West Ham, have improved a lot. I, I think it's, that's, that's why maybe it looks like it's not as great because the teams you'd expect to dominate aren't. But I think it's not because they've got worse, I think it's because the rest got better. Yeah, I think this year more than ever, I think there's a, there's a lot more different managerial styles um, which are in play, which has led to a bit of a, um, a spread of results because, you know, everyone deals with these things in different ways. Some catch on quicker than others. Um, others just can't handle certain team styles, etc., etc. So it's made for quite an interesting set of results most weekends. Um, it's very rarely you get sort of 10 games that go as you'd expect them to. Um, so I'm all for it I think it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's been a fun season obviously you know wish we were slightly more robust away from home but you can't have everything um, um, like I said alluded to just there we probably won't um, be around to discuss this weekend coming because the games take place between Thursday night and Sunday night which is Christmas Eve um, there's then a full Boxing Day programme so we might do a programme program god how old am i 403 <laughs> we might do a podcast um maybe wednesday or thursday um after christmas just to catch up on what's happened um but sorry 
up to the end of this week. Do you have anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Uh, just a, a Merry Christmas. Uh, you know, I hope everyone enjoys themselves and uh, yeah, has, a, has a good time catching up with friends and family and uh, a few drinks over the festive period. You know. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone at Man the Post, I'd say. Lovely, lovely. Um, you can... Actually, sorry, where can they find you on Twitter if they want to reciprocate that message? Uh, so, yeah, if you want to send me a Christmas message. <laughs> <laughs> Optimistic, I know, but you never yeah. know. It's at Sio Regan on Twitter, and uh, for Villa fans or anyone who, who wants to, to hear me being smug with a few other smug people, it's the Holtcast podcast and website 7500tholtz.com. Smashing. Uh, you can find me and all my nonsense on Twitter at CM9798. Um, things to look out for. We've got. We've just had the CM Cup, so the results are on there, including a festive good luck message from the Micka McQuinn. Um, we also had um, the Blog Squad uh, Secret Santa, so myself, Ross, um, and Nathan from this parish um, all took part in a 90 themed uh, Secret Santa, so you can see the results of that on Twitter. Um, and obviously the website generally is cm9798.co.uk. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Man on the Post. Also, we're available to subscribe to on all the usual podcast places. Um, just look for Man on the Post. Um, we'll be back. Um, hopefully we'll sneak a show in between Christmas and New Year. But um, I hope you all have a wonderful festive time for those who are celebrating. Um, and... Always remember to keep your man on the post.